It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man. Boom, it's Rusty. What's up, everybody? It is, I don't know. I think it's Thursday. Thursday, yesterday, I went to the water park. And I am hurting today. So, yes, it's like that. So, thank you everyone for here, being here. And my coffee, my creamer went bad. So, I haven't had my coffee. Who knows what's going to happen here? So, <laughs> uh, thanks for listening here on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network, QGBN. Uh, check out other great shows on the network, such as When the Gloves Come Off. The Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. This is it with Lizzie and Say by the Ben. The show is brought to you by Fred Ben Savage's Fuck, Hardcore Entertainment, Stoner Eats Productions, Hypnosis is Great, and SockEmUp.org. And you guys, yeah, again, I am Rusty Diamond here. And this is the Public Access Podcast, the P- Podcast. I'm going to bring on our special guest today. Our special guest is right here, right now. We have... Amy Hensley. How are you doing, Amy? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty great. So you, uh, in your background, you have a bunch of uh, what looks like ocean type uh, material and you are not very near the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm about as far from the ocean as you can get. Um, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, but Grand Cayman is my heaven, and I go there. um, I've been there frequently, and so I just, I've decorated my office with all things ocean because it's calming and relaxing and the place where I go to recharge. And how often do you get to go there? Well, I should say that not frequently enough. Um, but, uh, I would say once every year or so, every, every year, every two years, um, it's definitely a place that I, I long to be. What is it about it? I feel like I'm a solar panel when I'm down there. I just take in all of the, the sun. It's, it's beautiful. It's relaxing. It's safe. The people are amazing and kind and fun and uh, that the ocean is just very calm and it it speaks to my soul. And so uh, is most of your work done in person or online right now? With Sips and Wishes? Yeah. Yeah, it's done mostly in person Um, because of the uh, you know the uncomfortable nature of our topics it's it's really good to be able to meet with people in person and feel their energy um, and uh, address any concerns you know by looking in their eyes and um, you know we also get to show our equipment that way in person um, when we talk about some of these medical interventions, most people haven't 
looked or seen or touched or felt, you know, a, a G tube, a feeding tube. And so we, we get to show those to folks and um, it just makes a difference when you can see it and touch it and really understand how this equipment works. So what was the equipment for, um, is it just for showing people what quality of life is really like, and is it worth it to have them on that or? So I would say that um, it, it helps people understand what it is in real life, because what you see on TV isn't real. And when we talk about someone being on a ventilator and how we intubate them, if I show them the equipment, it just becomes more real. And if, you know, our, our mission is to educate. And if you aren't, if you don't know what any of this equipment is or what these interventions are, how are you making an educated decision if you want these interventions or not? Um, you know, if, if all you see is TV and movies, you might think that CPR is, you know, a lifesaver in every case and you wake up and sit up and thank everybody around you for giving you chest compressions um, because you have beautiful lighting and the, you know, the wind in your hair and the reality of CPR is it's pretty brutal. It's, it's pretty brutal on the body. So you're supposed talk- to. I'm sorry. You're supposed to crack the ribs if you're doing it right. Exactly. And not very many people realize that. So when we bring the equipment and talk about these things in real life, it's it's purely to it's not to scare people. It's to help them make educated decisions. And everybody has to make that decision for themselves. And I mean, so how many people, what's kind of a ballpark number of people who don't have this set up, um, don't have anything really set up or uh, very much not fully prepared for what is set up. Um, I, I, like, I, you see what I'm saying? Like if they yeah. have, they, they don't have this, but they're like, I wanna be buried or something, or I wanna be cremated, but then they don't have this. Well, what if I'm, you know, brain dead. What if I'm, you know, what if I'm uh, having trouble breathing? What if, what if I'm, I'm in a coma for two years? Um, yeah. So is there a, like a lot of people who have something like that where they have somewhat of an idea, but not fully? Um, I would say that the, the research I've heard about um, is that about 25% of folks who are um, retired, so folks who are in their you know, 60s, 70s, and, and on up, have some sort of advanced directives. And advanced directives is kind of an umbrella term for anything for you for the future. So that could be a medical power of attorney, that could be living will, all those kinds of documents. Um, And so those folks who are getting towards, you know, a traditional end of life have some of that stuff figured out. They've got it in writing from an attorney. It's legal documents. Uh, Even still, though, they a lot of times don't have have never had the, the medical education related to, you know, what is dialysis? And if I if I want that, what's that look like? And can I stop it? Um, so they, they don't, they don't have that, that knowledge. 
Um, they might have had a few conversations with their spouse, but maybe their kids don't know what their wishes are. And what if their spouse dies before they do? And so then their kids are going to probably be their medical power of attorney. And do they know that, you know, if I have to do CPR on a 80 year old little man, he's, I'm going to break all of his ribs. And that's just the, the, the nature of it. And do they want, you know, does, does the, does the dad want that? Probably not because it's painful. And then you're, you know, you might live out the rest of your lives sedated and intubated. And, you know, is that the quality of life you want for your dad? So having those conversations is critical. Um, and like I said, that's about 25% of the, of the elder population. And I would say that the, the numbers are way, way lower for folks that aren't that, that, of that age. But the reality is 22 year old kids get in hunting accidents and, um, dive into shallow swimming pools and, um, go skiing in and out of trees. And so they need this information. You know, I drive my car and, Fate doesn't care if I if I'm on my way to a meeting. I could get into a horrific car accident, and um, and luckily I've had these conversations with my kids, so they know what I want and what I don't want. And so when you know when we've had these conversations about everything, then we're hoping to prevent some of the guilt that comes when families are left to be the voice of the of the patient. And if they don't know what, what you want, they're left to make these decisions. And then they second guess themselves, you know, did I make the right decision for this? But if, when we have these conversations that, that kind of takes care of that, that guilt that comes. Yeah. And so, I mean, how do you get these kids that think they're going to live forever to actually say, and I guess kind of accept their mortality. Um, it's challenging, especially with twenty-year-olds, because they do they do think they're invincible and their their brains aren't fully developed yet, right? right. But we can get um, a multi-generational party going. Like, let's sit down and talk about what your grandparents want. And while we're doing that, we're talking to everybody about what do you consider living because that's the, the theme that we thread through the whole party because it's, it's, everybody's answer is different, it's personal, but it helps you make your decisions. And your decision is, you know, your, your choices are gonna be different when you're 20 versus when you're 80, and they should be. But having this information, this underlying education about what all this stuff is, if at any time during your life, whether you're 20 or 40 or 80, you've heard about these terms before, you know what it means to be intubated. So um, yeah, you can, you can accept your mortality at any time as, you're, as you age, um, but at least you've had the information and you can have these conversations with your family or your loved ones and say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea when I'm 20, but maybe not so much when I'm you know, 65 and I've got four or five comorbidities because your outcomes are going to be different. Right. And so, 
I mean, did this get ramped up with everything a few years ago? Did more 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 people into this idea of thinking it out beforehand with kind of the I don't know. I'm I'm sure some people thought that uh, you know a lot worse was going to happen, and did that mean more people were wanting to come to someone like yourself, or would that seem like there'd be less people coming to you then to talk about this sort of stuff? I think COVID did a lot of things. I think one of them was it made people understand. Um, what it means to die alone in the hospital on all these machines and that they don't want that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think it, it gave people a little bit more permission to have these conversations, whereas, you know, maybe before it, it seemed like taboo or, you know, like, like we shouldn't talk about these things because our culture in the United States really does hide death and anything related to it because it's uncomfortable and it's icky and it can be messy and um and so all the all the news reports and you know the things about people dying alone you know or over facetime with their family people realize that that's you know they they thought about what's important and it's their their loved ones and being with them and having a good death and a good death can can be a lot of things to a lot of different people. Um, but having that conversation is really important because if we don't know what we want or what we don't want, um, and then we're not sharing it, then you know, you run the risk of having that, what I would consider a bad death. And that diff- that means different things to different people. What's a bad death to you? What's a good death to you? Bad death would be suffering. Um, it could be whether that's emotional or physical. Um, and having it be prolonged on machines when our bodies know how to die. We, we have so many interventions that, you know, just, just because we can doesn't mean we should. And, and not having honest, direct, factual conversations between healthcare professionals and family members is a, you know, does, does everybody a disservice? Um, You know, no doctor wants to have that death on their record, but we're all going to die. And, you know, I think if, if family members knew the realities of what some of these interventions can do, then they might choose something different. And to me, a good death is whenever it happens, it's comfortable, it's peaceful, it is pain-free. And and that's again, where the education comes in um, that some of the medications that we can give at end of life don't kill the person, you know, morphine gets a bad rap on TV shows and in movies, right? You give it once and oh, somebody dies. And that's just not how it works in real life. Um, 
it's it's a very safe drug when given appropriately and it can just it can just end some of that suffering um it it eases that and and our like i said our bodies know how to dine if we can just let that you know let let the body do what it's supposed to do it's it's it can be beautiful and lovely in in those final moments and yeah we're going to miss that person like crazy but you know, if you believe in an afterlife, why are we trying to prevent them from going there? You know? Right. And then, so how much does uh, religion or other people's beliefs kind of then play into this? That's super important because we, like I said, we, we all have a different answer to what does living mean to you? And um, no matter what your background is, um, you should get to decide what you want for your body, whether it's, you know, religious or, you know, your family's culture or your culture as a, a bigger whole, all of that plays into your decisions, but ultimately yeah. it's your decision. It should be yours. Uh, they made a South Park episode when, uh, when there was, well, I forgot what her name was. Um, I want to say something Shiva or something to that nature where she was uh, on all the life support and stuff. And there was a big debate for the country if they were what they're going to do with her. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, there no. What what do we know? She didn't say, hey, I want this done with me if I end up here. So everyone is kind of in that thing. And. It's like, oh, okay, but yeah, I'm I'm the best friend, you know, I'm I'm the parents, I know what it would be. And then, you know, everyone is in there and there's all this media stuff on them. And then you, you know, at the end, the reveal is he says, just make sure nobody comes in here with, you know, cameras and uh, don't don't show me like this to the world. Um exactly. was, was the, the main thing. And um that's a whole other thing too with but i mean but and then there's i don't know there's there's odd stuff seeing the stuff on social media people when someone is dying and then you see you know they're a picture of them with with the old hand or something or seeing them like seeing someone all laid up in a in a bed looking like they're about to die but then on the other hand like you were saying with showing the the machines the the, the two feeding tubes and the ventilators uh, maybe it's good to have that out there and it's not so i mean i assuming it's not done for internet clout or um instant sympathy gratification I think there, there, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, are in my line of work um, who want to show the realities of death so that it's not so scary. Because like a lot of things, once you are, have been educated about what something really is, it's a lot less scary because, you know, your, your mind can, is powerful and it can create all sorts of 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 things in your mind that that are way worse than the reality and if we if we can show what it looks what a you know a natural normal death 
you know, peacefully can be, then it's, you know, and if you have, you know, hospice nurses and, and things who are, you know, this is our specialty, if we can be there to help guide families and say, yep, this is a normal thing to happen. Um, not everybody goes through all the different, you know, little pieces that I kind of, I call it a hospice buffet, where some people, you know, might have modeling of their skin, some people might have different breathing, um, some people get, you know, different looks up on their skin. So everybody does some something a little differently. But if we can educate people on what's, yep, that's just part of the process. This is, this is to be expected. Um, then I think it's a lot less scary for folks. You know, I don't think anybody would ever say, oh, yep, it's my desire to be in a cold, sterile hospital room with all the beeping and all the noises and people running up and down the halls and, you know, being sedated with all these medicines. And like, but that's not how I want to die. So um, I want it to be peaceful and I want somebody rubbing my feet and I want some aromatherapy going and a fan and let's play some music in the background. and. You know, that's, that's to me what, how I want to go. I don't want to be hooked up to all the machines. Just, yeah, let it happen, send you home. And I mean, yeah, it's, at what point is it? I mean, I don't know. I, I think everyone should be making this decision. And especially if you've encountered some near death experience in your life, um, you know, for sure should be doing it, uh, getting that out there. And I, I, I've told this story before with someone else who is in your line of work. And like my, uh, my dad had some of this stuff, but not everything. So it be, and then he ended up on, uh, you know, a lot of quality of life kind of things. And, and, but then, yeah, um, like, yeah, the, the final stuff wasn't really ever finished and it just became a ridiculous, I don't know, ridiculous journey uh, experience and whatever. And, you know, I hope people can learn from that and learn not, don't, don't get in that situation. Don't put your kids in that situation or, you know, anyone else like that, it's not, not really fair. It's pretty selfish. So yeah, um, it, can be, it can be really traumatic, right? I mean, it's sure. when you, when you have that cascade of events happening, it's like, well, where do you stop? And if, you know, it's as, as lay people, people don't know what they're seeing. They don't know what they're hearing. They don't know what all these words are because it's a different, it's a foreign language. Right. You know, to most people and like there there's research that shows there's you know physiologically there's no way your brain can learn new things when you're in a heightened state of anxiety it's physically impossible and so and, if you can yeah. have these conversations around a kitchen table when you know you have a beverage and a snack and and we can talk about all this stuff when we're comfortable and relaxed and it's a safe place to ask all questions, it's a way easier way to, to learn about these medical things. Um, and then, yeah, you're not traumatized or have guilt later because, you know, what you thought was going to be the right decision, but, you know, really kind of was a futile 
uh, scenario. And that's not anybody's fault. It's just what happens. Like we think we can do all these things. We have them at our disposal. So we think we should. Um, and yeah. that's where, you know, having a healthcare provider be honest with you about, you know, what, what's your outcome going to really look like. Um, and, and, you know, you said having, having that catalyst for the, the conversation sometimes is a real life experience. Um, I have a, a friend who, um, her, she had a, she had someone that was in her life that very unexpectedly just fell over with a, you know, a heart attack and picture of health, not that old. And that prompted her to say, okay, Amy, I need to have this party. You need to come and tell me what's going on. So, cause you just never know. You don't know what tomorrow brings. Yeah, so. absolutely. And yeah, um, I mean, you're not hurting yourself doing it. You're only hurting the other people around you. And so, um, so if people yeah, are wanting to book you, uh, want to ask you questions, anything like that, where are they going to look for this? Um, well, we have a website, um, sipsandwishesparty.com. We're also on Facebook. And um, there's an email address there, the phone number. You can call or text, um, send me a message through Messenger. Um, I can do step over Zoom. I can come to where people live and do parties there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's I, I'm hoping that we can put ourselves out of a job eventually with enough people having this information and having these conversations. Um, it's just, it's just really important. It's a gift to your loved ones. Yeah. And I think the, the hardest part is just picking a date getting it on the calendar and then inviting your people. That's, that really is the hardest part. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Realizing, yeah, they're all going to be dead. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe in, you know, seven years, we may be, uh, maybe our, our bodies will be dead and we'll all be uploaded into the, <laughs> the matrix, uh, whatever, but, um, you know, yeah. In one way or another, we'll all need to have this conversation. We all should have this conversation. So, Amy, thank you so much for being on here and getting to, uh, yeah, uh, inform people about stuff that they may not have, would maybe would not have even thought about or wanted to think about. So, thank you so much for that. And uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Rest of you too. You're welcome. All right. That's Amy Hensley. Uh, check her out. Check it out get on there. It's, it's there for you. Just go do it. It's not hard. Do it yourself. Do it for people that you're, are your loved ones. It's messed up to leave it. I mean, think about it. If, if you ever experienced it, it sucks. It's pretty, pretty sucky. So yeah, make sure you do it. Don't be a selfish jerk. So Anyway, you guys, thank you for listening here on the QGBN. And if you want, you can call me, leave a message. I'll play it on the show. And maybe you can leave a message or... Messages? Messages? We don't leave no stinking messages.
So you guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, like, share, subscribe, and thank you so much. And that is the show, man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Ernest! 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 <coughs> yes, Pee-wee. You brought the snacks, right? <laughs>